I shared many Saqqara's and Shisha's and Cairo cafes with the people at the heart of the revolution. And what really inspired me is how they didn't let that result stop their spirit from making a better Egypt. They may have put down their protest signs and flags, but they picked up their pens, laptops, paintbrushes, instruments, and cameras. They became entrepreneurs, activists, and artists. They put the responsibility of creating the country they wanted into their own hands, outside of politics. I lived in Cairo for two years. Now, I was traveling for half that time, typically going to two to three countries per month, but Egypt was home base, and I fell in love with that country. I firmly believe that Cairo is the most interesting and fascinating places I think anyone can choose to live. And the city is certainly a lot of things, but it is never boring. My curiosity was fueled every single day. And just when I thought I finally understood the place, a whole new layer was revealed. I sure miss the Egyptian hospitality and the many conversations with entrepreneurs, journalists, and artists persevering in a challenging environment. I miss hearing the call to prayer from a thousand minarets. I miss the ballady bars. I miss Tamea and Koshri. I miss the smiling fruit vendors. I miss Iftar in the streets during Ramadan. I miss having a city in full swing at 4 a.m. I miss wandering through the mazes of Cairo neighborhoods. I miss the many friends I made and, and the excitement nearly every stranger showed when they saw us walking through town holding our son who spent most of his first year of life in Cairo. <sighs> Wallahi, I miss that place. Now I could talk about the hospitality and warmth I learned from the Egyptian people, but so many people talk about that. And that would likely be a lesson I would have to include in every video I do from the region. So I'll skip that as a given. So Yalabena, when I think back on my time in Cairo, here are three lessons I learned. Number one, revolution takes many forms. Egypt's Arab Spring Revolution in 2011, and again in 2013, was such an inspiring story that accomplished what seemed impossible at the time. But unfortunately, it didn't play out as the people who took to Tahrir Square had hoped long term. I shared many Saqqara's and Shisha's and Cairo cafes with the people at the heart of the revolution. And what really inspired me is how they didn't let that result stop their spirit from making a better Egypt. They may have put down their protest signs and flags, but they picked up their pens, laptops, paintbrushes, instruments, and cameras. They became entrepreneurs, activists, and artists. They put the responsibility of creating the country they wanted into their own hands, outside of politics. And this is a perfect lesson that circumstances may force you to change your strategy, but never give up on your vision and never lose spirit. Number two, let it be. This certainly does not apply to some of the bigger decisions for life in Egypt. It's still very hard for most Egyptians to live freely, whether because of the government, 
the family, or societal pressures. And there's a reason that one of the first Arabic phrases I was taught was malik, which means mind your business. However, the ability to let people do whatever they need to do with the smaller things in life day to day, that really changed my perspective. If someone was driving down the wrong side of the road in reverse, people didn't yell or complain. They simply mumbled, ah, he must have missed his exit. If a shop owner was mysteriously missing in the middle of the day because she decided to have some tea with her neighbor, people didn't complain about their schedule being ruined. They gave her warm wishes and blessings and came back later or joined her. Despite the city being so fast paced, people took their time. Despite there being so many people, people were treated by others like individuals. Despite the constant honking, pollution, police oversight, people were calm. There was tranquility amidst the chaos. And I've carried that with me ever since. Number three, inshallah is a phrase the rest of the world needs. I've heard this phrase in every Arabic speaking country I traveled, but it never quite resonated as much as it did in Egypt. Inshallah means God willing, as in, I'll see you tomorrow, inshallah. Translate, see you tomorrow, assuming the grace of God permits. But it also could mean that something probably won't actually happen, as in, sure, your internet should be fixed by tomorrow, inshallah. Translate, I'm going to leave now, and the only way your internet will start working is if some miracle from God happens. Sometimes it was a way to defer responsibility to a higher power. Everything will be okay, inshallah. Translate, I have no idea, so don't blame me if everything won't be okay. Or sometimes it is simply a way of ending a conversation or saying, I don't know. And while the example of my internet service taking forever to get fixed certainly had my Western self frustrated, and I may have even said more than once, no, inshallah, please give me a specific time when you will fix this tomorrow. It also made me realize how powerful this perspective is. We need to realize that all we have is the present moment. Tomorrow is never promised, and each day we get is truly a gift from God that we should cherish. And when things inevitably don't go your way, remember that life will also go on as it has since the beginning of civilization in ancient Egypt. It will be better tomorrow, inshallah. Those are my three lessons today from my experience living in Egypt. Shukran, ya masr, stay curious, and see you tomorrow.